Welcome to Living Untitled, a new podcast featuring conversations about the limitless optimism and possibilities in our untitled world. I'm your host, Justin Boone. For this episode, I sat down with my friend, Sarah Malik Barney, an award-winning interior designer, entrepreneur, and founder of Band Design. Sarah's skills in design and creating beautiful spaces is informed by her understanding of what home means. For designers, this work is intimate, personal and emotional. Since working to dig deep and understand what really makes her clients feel at home is like taking a deep dive into their past, what resonates and connects with them, and what they envision for their future. Sarah sees creating a home in a community as working toward the greater good for the community at large. Now in my community, if I can't go pick up my kids from dance, I've got 20 people I can call, you know? And so it's sort of like, who's going to help hold each other up in those tough times or when you need a hand? Sarah believes that having a home and all the stability that comes with it is a privilege. And having a truly safe home is a tremendous blessing. Not everyone has this foundational stability in our lives, and... Her work keeps the idea that we owe more support, more help, and more effort to those who experience home insecurity at the forefront of our mind. And just like last time, stick with us after the conversation for a few resources intended to help you dive a little deeper into some of the themes Sarah and I explore together. This is so official. Isn't it fun? You're like famous. It's all a show. <laughs> Don't I know it. <laughs> all right. They are good to go. We're recording. So this is oh. casual. This is so easy. Great. We're I just here casual. to talk. We're here to have fun. I'm going to ask you heady questions. You're going to give me heady answers. No, we're going <laughs> to. <laughs> You've got the wrong guess. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Well, first, tell us about you. You're a designer. Yes. You've had a pretty amazing career coming from sort of an entertainment background in a lot of ways. Yep. Obviously, shifting over to interior design. Yep. Why the shift to begin with? Where did that sort of come from for you? Why design in the first place? Yeah, that's a good question because I don't know why design. No, Uh <laughs> No, so my background is in the entertainment industry where I worked for 15 years. I was a talent agent, worked in TV production, worked with brands of uh, all, all sizes and shapes. Um, design was something I always did for fun on the side, just for friends. And it was like 2016. And uh, I had two little kids, two girls that were three and five. And um, I just kind of thought like, what, is, what the hell are we doing here? Like, like I can't work for these people anymore and I just got to do my own thing and so I it was like truly I don't want to be cute about it but it's truly like a light bulb moment like maybe I'll go back to school for design so I went back to school thinking it'd be like a fun hobby whatever and then it exploded and it within so that was in early 2017 I finished my degree uh, it was a year-long program I finished in three months and started taking clients. And by the time I officially launched my firm in May of 2017, we already had, I think it was like four projects under our belt. And then a month later, I had to quit my full-time job, hire my first employee. So it's been a snowball. And now we're like, year. this is our sixth anniversary and 150 projects in. And now we've tacked on real estate development too. That's amazing. It's wild. Look at you. Super taking wild. off. Yeah. 
I love the smart entrepreneurial friends. <laughs> smart used loosely. <laughs> <laughs> well, always open for interpretation. Yeah, right, right. Subjective, right? Right. I got you. <laughs> so why this type of design? Why interior design? Oh, um, hmm. Well, specifically, I focus mostly on residential, mm -hmm. which uh, is a very emotional process. And I like that about it. So I, I joke about this, but I'm a Gemini. So I'm best of both worlds. I'm both type A and I'm a crazy creative. And so I've got that little like that dichotomy going on. And so I love the emotion of residential interior design mixed with the business of it. And I just, I love helping people and making their homes better. And it's like, if you think about it, your home is probably your most valuable asset. And if I'm given the opportunity to make it over or build it up from the ground, like that's such an honor. So I love that. In your mind, what does home mean to you? Okay, so I actually had this conversation recently because I'm moving and I'm moving out of my home that I've been in for almost 10 years. And it's probably the longest place I've ever lived. And I'm like a little emotional about it, but I'm not really because it's to me, that's, that's just the walls, right? Home is what you make of it, who you have with you. So like I've got my kids. It's like, okay, my kids are my home. That's my home. It's not the physical structure I'm living in. I can make where you stay and sleep every day and a great place to be, but it, home is like who you're with and where you're with them. What is the role of a home in a community? Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, a home in a community. I mean, you know, it, it kind of goes back to um, thinking about moving and leaving my bubble and my community and going to a new community. It's sort of like there's that old saying, it takes a village, and it really does. And that's not just when you have kids. It's like if you're struggling and having a tough day and, uh, you know, you can call on your neighbor or you can call on a friend. It's sort of like the community you build around you, and it's like a collection of homes almost, right? But it's like you guys sort of all working in tandem towards the greater good. I imagine when you're saying that it's a collection of homes, but again, not that physical space necessarily. Not necessarily. That doesn't yeah. really even matter as much in that instance. It's, it's the people. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. The people you can call on, you know, now in my community, if I can't go pick up my kids from dance, I've got 20 people I can call, you know? And so it's sort of like, who's going to help hold each other up in those tough times or when you need a, a hand? Is our relationship to home changing as a society? Well, I think we definitely are um, putting more value on it, which is a great thing. I think we were also transient for so long and with, you know, the monster of COVID, we had to shut down and we were forced to stay at home. And, you know, thankfully I was in a home that allowed us the space to sort of separate from one another. So we were on top of each other every day. But it's at the same time, people really are starting to understand the value of investing in their spaces and taking care of their spaces for their own mental health. Um, and I think we're getting smarter about mental health and taking care of it. So I think those sort of go hand in hand. So I do think it's become a more, it's a space that people pay more attention to than maybe they did before. And with clients that you're working with that maybe are paying a little bit more attention in that way, how do you help them navigate putting themselves into their home through the design? What they want, again, Depends back to that client. emotional. <laughs> Depends on the client. Some Fair want enough. to be my best friend. Uh, but 
Uh, no, I mean, we spend a lot of time learning about our clients and I spend a lot of time like research. Like, we have this whole questionnaire we send them when we start. And it's like, what's your favorite drink? What's your favorite movie? What do you like to do on the weekends? Which has nothing to do with the design per se, but it tells me a lot about them. If you tell me your favorite drink is a martini, I'm guessing you probably like to party. I like host people. You're probably not just sitting at home having a martini by yourself. That's my assumption. But usually there's some through lines there, right? We spend a lot of time doing that. And we spend a lot of time using um, visual cues to really see what triggers them and what doesn't. And so it's like whether it be Pinterest images or just things they're sharing with us, things that they're resonating, it's resonating with them. It's a subjective sport at the end of the day. So they could keep showing us 20 photos. And I'd be like, okay, you like these 20 photos. Yeah, but I don't like that. And 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 then you discover, oh, they don't really like stripes. And they didn't realize that until you looked at the 20 photos together and we pinpointed the thing they didn't like about it. It's like, oh, I didn't realize I didn't like stripes. So it's a lot of like education and discovery and kind of what what evokes emotion out of them for sure. Yeah. 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 Cause people don't always have the language themselves. Like you said, no. they don't know. And they can't visualize, which by the way, that's fine because otherwise I wouldn't have a job. Like if they could visualize it and do it themselves, then I would be homeless myself. So, uh, so yeah, so they, a lot of times can't visualize and we do help with visual cues in that way, but yeah, they, they don't know the words a lot of the time to say. <laughs> as a designer, as someone so invested in home, you know, I, I couldn't help but go into this conversation with you today and automatically right out of the gate, we're coming at it from a place of just like privilege, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of like who we are. And I feel like I, I, I think about this as a professional, as someone who has, you know, done okay enough in the world to have a pretty comfortable life. And I'm super grateful for that, obviously. And you certainly as well. Obviously, you have this wonderful, successful business and, you know, you have so much to be proud of in terms of that work. You have this beautiful family, you know, with your two daughters. But I kept having this like nagging thing in the back of my head thinking about this conversation that I was like, I want to dive into the topic of like home and what that means to a person or to a family or how that sort of acts as like this this thing in a community, the questions that we've been asking. But then I keep thinking about the housing crisis mm. that we yeah. face in this country, around the world. It's like home insecurity is this really significant issue. Totally. How do you, I don't even want to necessarily say reconcile with this because it's not like, you know, if you bore the the weight of that every single day, you would never get out of bed. No. You would never do your job. <laughs> I'd be crying but, all the time. <laughs> totally. So how do you think about a, 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 that sort of situation? How do you think about a people in our communities that may never understand home in the way that we understand home. Yeah. You know, when I started my firm, <laughs> I wrote a business plan because that's what Google told me to do. And uh, it is the stupidest business plan. I would never show it to someone ever. It's like so secret in my, I'll take it to the grave. <laughs> but in it, the reason I started a design firm or what attracted me to design in the first place was I felt like, in and actually part of the reason I never explored interior design as a career prior to when I started was I always felt like it was this unattainable thing. And at the end of the day, if you hire an interior designer, it is a luxury service. It is a nice to have, not a need to have, okay? But I felt like it was all like old white women w looking at fabrics and sofas. And I thought that's all it was, you know? And I thought it was something that n the, other than the 1% could never touch. And I really wrote this business plan thinking I would be like the interior designer for all because I felt like 
Beauty can be created in any space and it can be created in any size, which is why I don't have a parameter around the sizes of projects I take. I very quickly realized I cannot be that person because it's a lot for one person to take on. That cannot be my cross to bear. Um, but that being said, I, I believe there's ways to find beauty in all spaces. So they may not see home the same way we see home. But I think, again, it kind of goes back to like, where are you making it? And how are you making it? Now, the crisis is for real. And whether it be uh, shortages or overpricing, I mean, in Austin, where I'm based, it's the housing market is stupid. I mean, it's just insane. And the cost of things, you know, people paying $4 million for a condo that's not even near downtown. It's like, what? You could go live on the beach for $4 million. Like, what are you doing? So there's so much there that's crazy to me. And the way I sort of approach it on a day-to-day basis, which doesn't necessarily solve any sort of housing crisis, but I hate um, exuberance. And I hate... um, going over the top. And I'm very aware of the whole like fast fashion, fast furniture industries. And I'm very, very much pushing against it because I hate the waste that it creates. And I think it all sort of lives hand in hand. And so I just, I'm very aware of where materials come from. What are the price points? What is the quality of this material? Is it really going to hold up? Are we going to be throwing it away in two years? So that's sort of the way I approach it because I am but one person and can only do so much to save the world. Um, So that's sort of the way I look at it. Yeah. (laughs) I want to go back to the idea of community uh, because you are in a way right now, even through your design alliance, you're sort of building up your part of the community through uh, this. I want to talk about first kind of tell me what was the genesis of that design alliance? Where did it sort of come from? What is it meant to sort of be... So the Designer Alliance is sort of, um, it's become this monster that I didn't expect it to become. I literally launched it like this week. (laughs) And it's like all anybody wants to talk to me about. But I'm very excited about it. So the funny story about it is I was at an event um, in Palm Springs with my publicist. And I was like, oh, my God, there's a designer over there from Austin. And she's like, well, go talk to her. I was like, no, you know. And you know me enough to know that I would go talk to somebody, right? But I was like, no. And she's like, why not? We don't do that. And she goes, what do you mean you don't do that? And then so there's that piece of it. And then I would travel around from shows and um, different events. And the most fruitful conversations I was having with other people in my industry were like at private dinners where we were really digging deep and being vulnerable and talking about business in a really real way. And what I was so tired of doing was going to networking events and meeting someone nice And then kind of going home and forgetting about them or maybe catching up or seeing them every six months or whatever. Um, And I'm also part of a business networking group where we meet once a month and it's eight of us and we just like dig deep and we get super vulnerable and it's super confidential and we share our wins and our woes. And so I really wanted that for the design community. And so it's, we just launched it (laughs) and it's, uh, we're going to have chapters in every city and then it'll be larger groups, but then we'll be broken down into smaller cohorts to kind of create that sense of design community where you can really share. And it's like, if you want my wallpaper installer, I'll give you his name. Like, I'm not going to go out of business by gatekeeping from you. And I just, I'm so much about collaboration and we all win and can make more money if we actually share information versus shielding it from one another. So Mm. that's where it all sort of came out of. Nice. Yeah. Nice. It's wild. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. People are so excited. They're like, thank God, finally. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know. 
I mean, I needed it, but I guess everyone needed it. Yeah. Well, so. yeah, I mean, everyone's climbing for community, right? Yeah, I mean, goodness, I that's what we're here. it's coming from a designer and not from a brand who's trying to push something on them. You know, it's like, yeah, I need this, guys. So do you, you know? And I even had, I was here last week at, at an event and I was at a dinner and these women were just like, wait, how do you charge people? What? You know, because we all do it differently and it is yeah. a subjective sport, like I said. So it's there's no right way to slice it. I was speaking earlier this week about how to structure your firm and I'm like, this is what works for me. It may not work for you, but at least let's share it and make Maybe you can try it. Maybe you can give me something to try and we all win. Very rarely am I competing against the same designers for a project because our styles are also different. It's funny because there's a couple that I do run up against a bunch, but our styles are so different. So I always think like, why are these clients trying to decide between me or them? Because we're just so different. But it I just feel like it's so it's like apples to oranges almost. There's there, there's nobody who's just like me. There's nobody who's just like that designer. So I don't know like the competition part of it almost is lost on me because there's enough work to go around and there's enough styles to go around. I know you're in your infancy with this. <laughs> so I'm like sure you're learning hours. a lot. <laughs> sure you're learning a lot in that 48 hours. I've had like so many phone calls about this in the last 48 hours. I can't even tell you. Yes, yes. What, what goes into building a a good little community I here? Think it's, well, okay. Like I'm a straight shooter and um, I'm pretty direct. And even when I was speaking yesterday at an event and it wasn't about this, but it came up because everyone wanted to know about it. And every, somebody came up to me afterwards and like, this is so refreshing. Thank you. And I think if you are just honest and open and there's no bullshit, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss, but, you know, like, it's just, just say it, you know? And I think people really respond to that. And I think they're not used to that. So I think they get excited about it. Um, and, you know, almost immediately people from different cities have reached out and said, like, I want to be the leader of this in my city. And so I think it's a matter of getting those people who really believe in the idea. I want to help cheerlead it along for you. And that's and it sort of slowly starts to morph itself. Now, where you can run into issues is if you try to do it too quickly. And that's why I don't have all the answers right now for how to do it. Like, I could have come to you with a stupid business plan, like my other stupid business plan. And, you know, I have some rough ideas, but like, I want to be able to change it if it's not working. And I want to be able to let it grow sort of organically, too. So I try not to plan too much in advance, but just have like a working framework for it. You know, it involves the listening. It involves digging into it with an open mind and being like, you know, I always use the term wet clay. That's that's my thing. And that's my thing that I tell my team all the time. It's like everything's wet clay. Like treat it as wet clay. Nice. Like it's You can always mold it. You can always shape it. You can always do something different with it. Like yeah. it's. If it falls on the ground, like you just pick it up and start yeah. over again, whatever it is. Yeah. But you have to give it time and attention. You can't let it dry out. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Otherwise, like, what good is it to you then? Yeah. So it's like, keep focusing on it. Keep working that's, on that's it. That's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. I like that. You know? And so I feel like that's what you're doing. It's like, you're not being overly precious or overly prescriptive with it. I'm the opposite of overly precious. <laughs> uh, in fact, I actually think that's in my business plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but seriously. <laughs> yeah. Without defining its future, what do you what do you hope people once they get in the groove of it all? Because right now there's just that initial enthusiasm around it yeah. and excitement, which is a great thing. But what do you hope people ultimately get out of being part of this community? What do you hope to kind of get out of creating this community? The design industry as a whole was sort of found, and I get leers at me every time I say this, but I, it was sort of founded by women who were afraid to ask for money. 
And so now in our industry, it's not uncommon for a client to call and say, can you give me your discount? Which it's to me, one of the most offensive things you can ask me because I would never, I don't know another profession where I would call on the professional who's been working their tail off to create this business and say like, give me what you paid for it. Like that's just wild, but that's how the industry was started. So what I would love more than anything is to really shift that mindset and shift that thinking and make designers not afraid to charge what they're worth, see their value, understand how to sell that value to people, um, and then also be able to really just really thrive in a community. So that's the biggest thing for me. And I hope that it it becomes um, self-sustaining. You know, people want to keep feeding the monster. And it's not just me me feeding the monster. It's actually other people who are like believe in it too and want to, want to keep it going. And, you know, other groups I'm in that are similar to that, it's like I want to be there because I learn so much and I grow so much. And it's, I know it's the commitment and I set aside four hours a month for it. Okay, fine, I'll go do it. And even on the days I don't want to do it, but it's it's fulfilling. And so I want people to have that sort of feeling about it. And like you said, you can't do it alone. You can't no. be the only cheerleader, the only person holding this well, then up. it'll die. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're pushing it uphill. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> preach. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got to get others involved. Step up. Step up. Yeah. Anybody want to volunteer? <laughs> Designer-alliance.com. In the show notes. In the show yeah, notes. Okay, okay. <laughs> and everywhere. And billboards. And please, do, do. do you want to volunteer? <laughs> I have no business plan. <laughs> Someone build her a business plan. <laughs> it makes zero dollars currently. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Yeah. Uh, all right. Shifting back to the idea of home yes. for a second. I can't help but also ask, and I asked you kind of a little bit, is our relationship with home changing? And it has certainly with the pandemic over the past few years and, you know, other factors. But increasingly, as we look to the future, we're also spending a lot more time in digital ecosystems mm -hmm. in sort of... With technology having a much more uh, constant presence mm -hmm. in our lives in many ways. And so I'm curious for you as a designer, how are you thinking about that future also for you or for your industry? Like, what is the future of home design? I hate to even say like in the metaverse, but like. Oh, God. Where are you where are you sort of gazing into your crystal ball and seeing this future with your non-existent business plan? <laughs> this, is where I, this is where I outsource. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is so technology, I, I get so overwhelmed by it. And it's and I'm not bad at it, but when I can't understand all of something, I don't want to understand any of it, is sort of the way I approach it. And so, like, I actually met a woman yesterday. And she said, oh, I do smart home technology, blah, blah, blah. She goes, do you ever do that for clients? I said, of course I do. And if they want, like, you know, battery-powered window shades, I can help them with that. But if it's their whole home, I don't do it because or I'll, I'll refer somebody, like a professional, and I cannot learn it all. And she goes, yeah, why would you learn it all? And I was like, yeah, you're right. Why would I learn it all? And so I really rely – I'm very good at staying in my lane. And um, I, I'm – hyper aware of the things that are coming in, but in ways of implementing them, I sort of rely on the pros to sort of lead me in that direction. Now, what'll be interesting is how AI morphs and plays into all of that and plays into home. From a business perspective on the design side, it doesn't work yet. I've tried many of the tools and they're 
And they're, they're not there. They're not smart enough yet, but they will be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's sort of like kind of keeping a like peripheral gaze on everything and then jumping in when I need it or leaning on professionals who really know the space when I need it. Are you threatened by it at all? Um, no, no. Uh, I don't think in terms of like, I know people are scared about it taking jobs and, and whatever else. From a design perspective, no, there's I think it'd be very hard to create that personal touch for somebody um, in their in their home in a really in a real way. Um, no, I'm not saying it could never get there, but I don't I'm I'm not really threatened by it. No, I'm well, not. It's the emotional thing, as you said. Yeah. And I'm excited by it. I think it's weird and stupid and crazy and I love it all. And like, I don't know, it's the wild, wild west. And I like it. So mm-hmm. but I'm also an ignorant optimist and I just pretend it's all going to be OK all the time. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, optimism, whether ignorant or not, I'm curious then, what are you excited about it? Like, what, where, where do you see the wackiest potential that you would want to get out of your new robot assistant? Or Gosh. <laughs> do you know what's crazy? This is the probably the wildest thing I could think of off the top of my head, but I've worked with a company um, that does 3D printed homes. And they're really incredible, cutting edge. They're based in Austin. They're lots of fun. Um, And I actually worked with them on their first ever 3D printed home in America. And what would be amazing is if you could input something into for AI to spit out and then it prints it like home-wise right there. Like that would be wild to me. That you could like throw an idea into AI, into AI. Like it's like some... Whatever. But like you could throw into this is how little I know. You could throw into AI and then it talks to the 3D printer and prints out a house in the day. Like that's what? That's crazy. That's some next level stuff. All right. Well, devil's advocate on that. Will that still be valuable to us? Is anything valuable to us? Well, you told me earlier at the very beginning of this conversation (laughs) that our homes. Our homes are our most I, valuable asset. It so is. will it be anymore? Uh, if that I can still think happen? so. I mean, I think so. But you know, here's the thing that's different is um our generations have shifted and we don't collect or we don't keep the heirlooms from our parents anymore. Mm-hmm. And so the like stuff I I think it's not gonna have very much value. The home itself, yes. But the stuff in it, maybe a couple of major things like family photos or whatever, but like the furniture pieces, I don't think so. Hmm. There's going to be very little that I think we pass down to generations or want to keep for long unless it's something super unique like art or, like I said, family photos or, you know, things you can't really easily replicate. Yeah. It goes along, I guess, with our increasingly sort of digital ecosystem in which we live in, right? Like in that sense, because you're right then. If the stuff doesn't matter, whether it's digital, physical, artificially, intelligently derived or (laughs) created by an artisan's hands. Out in AI. (laughs) Out in AI, which is off the coast of Alaska. Next to Russia. Yes. We're not going to go with AI in Russia. That's a different conversation. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. (laughs) But it makes sense then that if if our stuff isn't precious to us anymore, because again, if it's digital or physical or what have you, our relationship with it has changed, then 
Yeah. And I think it's so easy to change, like trends change so much. And I actually had a discussion the other day with a, with a furniture designer and we were talking about the trend of boucle as a fabric. And it's like, I, I'm over it. It's done. But it was like a very hot thing for a quick minute. And we started talking about, but why? Like I talk about trends all the time. It's like, oh, hey, blues and, you know, whatever. Who cares? But like the reason boucle became a thing is because we were coming out of COVID and we were craving touch. Yes. And we needed some textiles that we could actually feel the texture of, you know. And so then, of course, that makes sense that it became a trend right after coming out of COVID. So. Um, I think what's more fascinating to me is like, yeah, I don't want boucle anymore, but I needed it for that time in my life because of what I just came out of mentally. So I think it just plays more into our relationships than it does our stuff. Mm, yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that way of drawing the connection there. It's crazy, right? Yeah. But it makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I hate the whole sort of trend, trend forecasting, <sighs> like side of things. It drives me nuts. I think that you is realize like, you way more than I do. Just the devil's industry. Like it's not real. No, uh, <laughs> you could say anything, by the way. Totally. You could be like that. Oh, like purple birds are going to be a trend everywhere. And it's like, really? Okay. Okay. Yeah. We're going to start a clothing line with purple birds tomorrow. You heard it here first. <laughs> Purplebirds.com. <laughs> Link in Sponsored by Purple <laughs> <laughs> yes. So do, do you just actively defy them then in the way that you kind of talked about? Or do you find, because I think the, the boucle example is a great one, you know, well, just a, a fabric, right? Just a textile in the world. But like you talked about, it's like, well, actually what it meant to the to people right. was like, I needed this sort of tactile grasp on something yeah. because it's like, hug. I just, yeah, I needed a hug. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, is that kind of how you approach it? It's sort of like you defy the rest and instead say, well, actually the, what, what I'm really hearing, what I'm really seeing, what I'm really getting is that this is what you need. <laughs> this <Yeah>. is <laughs> Whoa, I could do some therapy on clients. I don't know if I could go that deep or if I want to go that deep. Uh, no, not necessarily. I think I do push against trends a lot unless I think that they could stand the test of time. So I have had clients be like, I love this boucle. It's like, well, you're not going to like it in two years. So mm -hmm. let's not even do it. So I will push against those things, but no, I don't, I don't listen to trends very much. Um, when I first started out, I wrote a blog post about, um, white oak kitchen cabinets. Okay. Really basic stuff. But nobody was doing them. Nobody was creating white oak kitchens at the time. It is the number one page on our website above our home page. If you Google white oak kitchen, it is the number one link on Google. I'm dying. <laughs> it's just I absurd. I kid you not. And then right after that, two years later, white oak kitchens everywhere. And so it's like, okay, like I just, I just liked it. I made up that trend. And now it's the number one link on Google. <laughs> it gets more hits than our homepage of our website. <laughs> it just sounds like the new Drake album, too. White Oak <laughs> Kitchens. Like, <it> just. <laughs> I wish you were that cool. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> it's a line under Purple Birds. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yes. Totally. Yes, yes. Oh, she does it all. That's right, everybody. I can do it all by myself, pushing it up the hill. Watch me go. <laughs> It's a little engine that could. <laughs> oh, that's my biggest problem is I try to do it all. <laughs> yes. I love it. Yeah. I love it. 
All right, last question, but I just totally switching gears, but I guess just maybe thinking on a really macro level about community. Again, clearly you can tell we love community here. That's why we're all here is talk about community. You and I met oh, God. exploring community. It was, didn't work really, out as well. That's a really <laughs> kind way of putting it, that we were exploring community. But people are going to think we were like, I don't even know what, like naked and afraid or something like that. Might have been slightly more hospitable. But anyway, yes. putting all that aside for a second, I, I only bring that up as scarred as that memory is for both of <laughs> I us. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> shaking right now. Yes. It's too soon. We're all craving community. You're craving community and you've created this designer alliance. You're craving community and you will put yourself on a mountaintop in Malibu <laughs> <laughs> without an agenda. You're craving. With no agenda, no list of attendees, no nothing. Just blind faith. And a credit card. <laughs> so so with blind faith and a credit card and a lot of gumption, clearly. <laughs> why are you craving community so much? What does community give to you? What do you need from community? I just feel like it's always fulfilling, even when it's not. You know, like we had this crazy experience, right? And if I looked like an idiot. Like when I tell people the story of this experience. People think I'm the stupidest human alive. However, it's a great story. <laughs> and I live for a great story. I live for a great story. And I love adventure. And listen, I'm an extrovert by nature. So I like I get energy from being around people and being around new people and different people and just experiencing the world in different ways. And I don't know. That's my experience in community, what I love about it. Now, I have the people I call on the most and that are like my people. But when I get to meet new people that I wouldn't have met otherwise, I think that's super cool. Mm. And like you hear about these life experiences that you would never have access to otherwise, mm -hmm. or you might not have access to if you don't put yourself out there. Like I even thought last night, I'm staying at this hotel and I didn't have any plans. My plans had gotten canceled. And I was like, thank God, I'm so tired. I just want to chill, which is so unlike me. I usually would fill it up with something else. And I was laying in bed watching a stupid reality TV show and it was getting kind of towards dinner and I thought, I'll just order room service. And I thought, no, you know what? I'll go upstairs and go to the bar and have dinner there. I'm exhausted. I don't really want to talk to anyone, but maybe I'll meet somebody there or maybe I'll run into somebody I know or whatever. Anything could happen. Nothing happened. I just sat by the fire and I <laughs> ate dinner by myself and didn't talk to anybody but the waitress. But... It was sort of like, do I go? Do I not go? And that was the only reason I went upstairs is because, like, who knew what would have happened? I knew what would have happened if I had ordered room service and stayed in my bed. And that would have been perfectly fine, too. But I could have had a way different experience if I left the room and did something. So that's sort of the way I look at it when I'm sort of craving that and getting a silly story out of it. <laughs> just, just nothing better. Sarah, I could laugh with you all day long. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank this you so, so much. Yes. Keep being brave, brazen, bold, creating community, adventuring into Woo! community, into the wilderness. <laughs> Naked and afraid, <laughs> up the hill with, with my boulder. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Home is such a big word. Four letters can't capture the depth and breadth of how many big feelings we all have about where we are today, where we've been, and what home might mean for us in the future. Our homes can be really simple and utilitarian or privileged, luxurious spaces. But who is there is more important than what. 
is there. I've always been fascinated by what home means for us as individuals and families. And so one resource that came to mind for me was a show that Apple TV Plus put out as a documentary series by the same name, Home, particularly the episode featuring the work and philosophy of Theaster Gates. I discovered some new language that helped me better connect the dots between a home as a place for individuals or families and a home as an important part of the infrastructure of our communities. I highly recommend checking that episode out and getting to know the work of Theaster Gates better if you aren't familiar with him. And if you've ever sat and contemplated what the walls you're living in have seen over the years, Richard McGuire's illustrated book here provides vivid light into that daydream. Just as Sarah said in our conversation, our homes are really about the people in them. McGuire explores this idea in his own terms, or rather the spirit of a place, forever haunted by the impact of its once inhabitants. This episode was produced by the Untitled Future team. For more information about Untitled Future, please visit us at untitledfuture.com or follow us on LinkedIn. And for more episodes, please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Once again, I'm your host, Justin Boone. Thanks for listening. And remember, life's better when you belong.